Part Two of Thralls of the Endless Night by Lee Douglas Brackett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Two. Kirk bent. He didn't move for a long time. After a while, Randall's voice stopped, and then the blood wasn't pumping any more, just oozing. Randall's hands slid away so that Kirk could see the hole the stone had made. Everything seemed to be very quiet. Kirk sat there, holding Randall in his arms. Presently someone came up and shook Kirk's shoulder and said, "'Hey, kid, are you deaf? We've been yelling at you.' He stopped and then said more gently, "'Oh, Jock got it, did he?' Kirk laid the body carefully on the stones and got up. "'Yeah. Kind of a pal of yours, wasn't he?' He wasn't very strong. He needed someone to cover him. Too bad. The man shook his head and then shrugged. Maybe it's better at that. He was headed for trouble, that one. Kind of leading you that way, too, I heard. Always talking. He looked at Kirk's face and shut up suddenly. He turned away and grunted over his shoulders. The O.D.'s looking for you. Kirk followed. The wind was cold, howling up from the outer gullies. The officer of the day was waiting at the north end of the wall. There was a ladder dropped over it now, and men were climbing up and down with bodies and sheaves of recovered spears. More were busy down below, rolling the dead pyroots and the shags down into the deep gullies for the scavenger rats and the living shags who didn't mind turning cannibal. The latter made Kirk think of Pa. It was the only way for a man to get into the outer gullies from the west escarpment of the colony. He shook some of the queer heaviness out of his head, touched his forelock, and said, "'I'm West Kirk, sir. You wanted me?' "'Yes.' The O.D. was also the third officer, taller than Kirk, thinner, with the hair going gray on his body, and exhausted eyes sunk deep under his horny overlids. He said quietly, I'm sorry to have to tell you this. Kirk knew. The knowledge leaped through him. It was strange to feel a spear stab where there was no spear. He said, Pa! The officer nodded. He seemed very tired, and he didn't look at Kirk. He hadn't after the first glance. Your father and his two friends. Kirk shivered. The horny lids dropped over his eyes. "'I wish I'd known,' he whispered. "'I'd have killed more of them.' The officer put his hands flat on the top of the wall and looked at them as if they were strange things and no part of him. "'Kirk,' he said, "'this is going to be hard to explain. I've never done anything as hard. The Pyroots didn't kill them.' They were responsible, but they didn't actually kill them. Wes raised his head slowly. I don't understand. We saw them coming up the tongue of rock. The pyroots were behind them, but not far. Not far enough. One of the three, it wasn't your father, called to us to put the ladder down. We waited. A muscle began to twitch under Kirk's eye. That, too, was something that had never happened before, like the stab of pain with no spear behind it. 
He licked his lips and repeated hoarsely, I don't understand. The officer tightened suddenly and made one hand into a fist and beat it slowly on the wall up and down. I didn't want to give the order. God knows I didn't want to. But there was nothing else to do. A man came up over the top of the ladder. He was carrying a body over his shoulder and breathing hard. Here's Kirk, he said. Where'll I put him? There was a clear space off to the right. Kirk pointed to it. Over there, Charlie. I'll help. It was hard to move. He'd never been tired like this before. He'd never been afraid like this, either. He didn't know what he was afraid of. Something in the officer's voice. He helped to lay his father down. He'd seen bodies before. He'd handle them, fighting on the pillbox walls. But never one he'd known so long. One he'd eaten and slept and wrestled with. The thick arm that hauled him out of bed this morning. The big hands that warmed the baby against the barrel chest. You saw it lying lax and cold, but you didn't believe it. You saw it. You saw the spear shaft sticking out clean from the heart. You saw it. That's one of our spears, he screamed it like a woman. One of our own from the front. I let them get as close as I dared, said the officer tonelessly. I tried to find a way, but there wasn't any way but the ladder, and that was what the pirates wanted. That's why they made them come. Kirk's voice wasn't a voice at all. You kill them. You kill my father. Three lives against all those back on the plain. We held our fire too long as it was, hoping. The pirates nearly broke through. Try to understand. I, I had to do it. Kirk's spear made a flat clatter on the stone. He started forward. Men moved in and held him, without rancor, looking at their own feet. "'Please try to understand,' whispered the officer. "'I had to do it.' The officer, the bloody wall, the stairs, and the cold gray gullies all went away. There was nothing but darkness and wind a long way off. Kirk thought of Pa coming up under the wall, close to safety, close enough to touch it, and no way through. Pa and Frank and Russ standing under the wall, looking up, and no way through. Looking up, calling to the men they knew, asking for help, and getting a spear through the heart. After that, even the wind was gone, and the darkness had turned red. There was a voice, a long way off. It said, God, he's strong, over and over. It got louder. There were weights on his arms and legs, and he couldn't throw them off. He was pressed against something. It was the wall. He saw that after a while. The wall where the officer had been standing. There were six men holding him, three on each side. The officer was gone. Kirk relaxed. He was shivering and covered with rime from body sweat. Somebody whistled. Six men. Didn't know the kid had it in him. The officer's voice said dully, 
No discipline. Better take him home. Kirk tried to turn. The six men swung with him. Kirk said, You better discipline me. You better kill me, because if you don't, I'll kill you. I don't blame you, boy. Go and rest. You'll understand. I'll understand, all right. Kirk's voice was a harsh whisper that came out by itself and wouldn't be stopped. I'll understand about Pa and the ship with the heat stones in it and the captain's yellow daughter getting fat and warm while my sisters freeze and go hungry. I'll understand, and I'll make everybody else understand, too." The officer's eyes held a quick fire. "'Boy, do you know what you're saying?' "'You bet I know.' "'That's mutiny. For God's sake, don't make things worse.' "'Worse for us or for you?' Kirk was shouting, holding his head up in the wind. "'Listen, you men, do you know what the officers are doing up there in the ship they won't let us touch?' There was an uneasy stirring among the Hans, a slipping aside of luminous black eyes. The officer shut his jaw tight. He stepped in close to Kirk. "'Shut up,' he said urgently. "'Don't make me punish you. Not now. You're talking rot, but it's dangerous.' Kirk's eyes were hot and not quite sane. He couldn't have stopped if he wanted to. "'Rot, is it?' Jock Randall knew. He saw with his own eyes, and he told me while he was dying. The captain's yellow daughter sneaking heat stones into— The officer hit him on the jaw, carefully and without heat. Kirk sagged down. The officer stepped back, looking as though he had a pain in him that he didn't want to show. He said quietly, so that everyone could hear him, "'Discipline for not longer than it takes to clear the rock below.' Two of the men nodded and took Kirk away down a flight of stone steps. One of the four who were left looked over the wall and spat. "'Rock's pretty near clean,' he said, but even so. He shook himself like a dog. That jock Randall, he was always talking. One of the others flicked a quick look around and whispered, yeah, and maybe he knew what he was talking about. The little stone room was cold and quiet. It was dark, too. But the sucking plant carried its own light. Kirk lay on his back watching the cool green fire pulse on his chest and belly. It looked cool, but underneath the sprawling tentacles of it he was burning with the pain of little needles that bit and sucked. He was spread-eagled with leather thongs. He made no sound. The sweat ran into his eyes, and the blood went out of his body into the hungry plant, drop by drop. Somebody came in, somebody too quick and light to be a fighting man. Kirk let his pupils spread. First a slim, tall shape moving, a kilt of little skins swirling beneath the shimmering, synthy-mesh overall suit. Small, sharp breasts and a heavy mane of hair caught back. Then color. Yellow. Yellow like the sun-star from head to foot. Kirk's jaws shut and nodded. The sucking plant was ripped away very deftly by its upper fronds and thrown into a corner. 
Kirk went rigid, but he didn't make a sound. The yellow girl took a knife from her belt sheath and slashed him free with four quick strokes. Kirk didn't move. "'Well,' she said, "'aren't you going to get up?' He could see her eyes, great black shining things. "'What did you come here for?' "'They told me about you. I said I thought it was criminal to discipline you when you didn't know what you were doing, so I came down to see what I could do about it. She always came with the other women after a raid to help the wounded. Kirk looked at her stonily. You must have missed my speech. They told me about it. Whatever made you say things like that? Aren't they true? No! Kirk laughed. It was not a pleasant laugh. <laughs> you could have saved yourself the trouble. This isn't going to make me believe you. The girl tossed her thick hair back impatiently. You're acting like a child. She was no older than Kirk. We're all terribly sorry about your father, she went on gravely. But that doesn't give you the right— I have the right to tell the truth. But you're not telling the truth. She was down on her knees now beside him. I don't know what this Jock Randall saw or whether he saw anything, but— Kirk said slowly. Jock's dead. He was my friend, and he didn't lie. Perhaps not, but he was mistaken. He saw you, taking heat stones into the ship. But only a very few. We're not hoarding them. We wouldn't. Then what do you use them for? I can't tell you that, and it doesn't matter anyway. Kirk laughed again. He got up, stiffly because of the raw places drawing across the front of him. His hair was gone in a sprawling pattern, eaten off by the digestive acids. He said, You'll have to do better than that. She was angry now, and perhaps a little scared. He enjoyed making her angry and scared. He enjoyed the thick, hot feeling of power it gave him. She asked, then you won't believe and you won't stop talking? I made a promise to go on talking, and I believe in what I'm doing. You know what that will mean. He could hear the quiver and the breathing of her. People may be hurt, your own people. We don't want trouble. We can't afford trouble. With the pirates getting stronger, it'll mean you'll be punished, maybe even killed. That gave him a cold twinge for a moment. Then he thought of Jock and shrugged. It doesn't matter, he said, and started out. The third officer came in. There were five men with him, and one of them was the captain wearing the gun of authority. The captain said, I'm sorry, Kirk. I heard a lot of what you said. Too much to dare turn you loose just now. Perhaps in solitary we can talk sense into you. Kirk stood quite still, not moving anything but his eyes. The four Hans were big, and they had knives. Kirk shrugged and fell in with them. The girl walked ahead between the captain and the third. Nobody said anything. They went together up the stone steps. They had taken the wounded off the wall, out of the wind. 
The rock below was clean of bodies, and the last of the men were coming back up the ladder. Kirk felt queer. He wasn't like himself at all. It was as though he had fragments of ice inside his head all jumbled. Then, suddenly, they fell into place, clear and frozen and unalterable, without any help from him at all. He moved very fast, faster than ever before in his life, caught the captain's gun. His two hands thrust out, one against the captain, the other against the third, and sent them staggering. He charged through between them, gathering the yellow girl into his chest, firing as he went. The antique gun was dead on the third shot, and he threw it away. A knife slashed across his shoulders, but it was short. Men began to yell. He knocked one away from the ladder head and pushed the struggling girl over and let her drop so that she had to catch the rungs. He whirled, swinging, and sent two men sprawling back into the ones behind. Then he leaped over, dropping down the side of the ladder, hand over hand. He passed the girl, climbed onto the ladder behind her so that no one could sling stones at him, and began pulling her down by the foot. She tried kicking, but it was a long drop to the rock, and after she'd slipped a couple of times she stopped that and went on down. Men were howling at him from above. They started to climb onto the ladder. Kirk yelled at them, threatening to throw the girl off. They stopped. Presently Kirk felt the cold rock underfoot. The minute he was off the ladder a man climbed over the wall and started down. Kirk yelled at him to go back, then got hold of the bottom of the ladder and pushed out. The yellow girl got out her knife again and slashed at him. She hadn't opened her mouth once. Kirk dropped. The knife bit his shoulder, not very deep. He straightened up suddenly, swinging his open palm. It caught the girl over the ear. She fell backward away from him, rolling over the rock. The knife flew out of her hand. Kirk heard it skitter along and then vanish over the gully edge. He pushed hard on the ladder. It gave and the man at the top began scrambling up again, fast. He only just made it, dangling half of him in the air when the ladder fell. The light aluminum struts it was made of sent clashing echoes flying in the wind. It was the only ladder they had. They'd have to bring one from one of the other pillboxes before they could climb down and get it. Kirk looked up at the men lining the wall, yelling, waving things. Just about here Pa must have stood, looking up. He turned and hauled the dazed girl to her feet, and started off down the tongue of rock. He didn't hurry. There was no need to hurry. The young strength of the girl was pressed against him, thigh and hip and chest. It burned in some queer way. He watched the yellow hairs rub and tangle with his golden ones. The muscles started twitching under his eye again. He had to cuff her twice more to keep her quiet before they were safely off the naked rock. He got her down the length of two gullies, well out of sight of the pillbox. She was still a little groggy and very busy keeping her footing in the pebble drifts. They started down a third cut that angled off. Then, quite suddenly, she fell. Kirk stopped. 
He put out a hand to help her up and then took it back again. He looked at his feet and surlily, Get up. I can't. Where are you going? I don't know. Just somewhere to think and plan. I've got to figure this out. She thought about that. He could see her wide golden shoulders tremble. He wanted to touch them. After a while she said, "'Why did you take me? Why won't you let me go?' "'They'd have killed me on the rock if I hadn't had you. And when I go back—' She brought her head up. "'You're going back?' He laughed at her. "'Ah! Did you think you could get rid of me that easy? I told you I'd made a promise. I'm going to keep it and you're going to help me. I can buy a lot with you.' Her pupils were little hot pinpoints. I see. You don't care how many people you hurt, do you? As long as you can be a big man and keep your promise. He said roughly, Get up. All right, she nodded casually. I'll get up. She did. She got up fast, like a rock snake uncoiling, and she had a big stone in her right hand. She let it go straight for his head. Kirk jerked himself aside, but he was too late. The rock grazed him above the ear. He staggered, trying to see through a curtain of hot and flashing lights. His ear-cups, working instinctively by themselves, brought him the sound of naked feet scrambling away over the pebble-drifts. Feet. And then something else. Kirk yelled. He tried to shake the lights away and yelled again. Stop! Look out! Shags! End of part two.